T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 10.04 on 6.70 The Score. Welcome in. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito, and we will have you for the next hour. Uh, hour two brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Wolves games make the best company and group outings. Tickets, food, souvenirs can all be included for one low price. Visit ChicagoWolves.com or call 1-800-THE-WOLVES. We talk a lot of Cub baseball because it's relevant. We talk a lot of White Sox baseball because hopefully it will be relevant. And Michael Kopech expected to join us in this hour. We always expect you to participate either as a listener or or a person that wants to join us on the phone at 312-644-6767, text 6711. Uh, I get a lot of things out in the street. Love this show, Bruce. Love you and Mike. Uh, we don't like to hear the, from people on the phone. we rather hear you than I hear other people saying, you know, the interactive part of your show is great. You let everybody have their say-so. They feel part of the show. You know, can't have it both ways, but I think – we, we try to have a fair mix of yep. giving you information, guests, and keeping those phone lines open for you. Segment brought to you by New Mail Medical Center. Discover the new you, newmailmedical.com. And, uh, you know, we love getting uh, contributions via text as well, 67011. Uh, and this is funny, but I'll, I'll use it as a way to, to lead you to a question about tonight's game. Uh, 708, uh, hey, guys, do you think I'll have to stock up on liquor tonight with Chatwood pitching <laughs> Uh, your expectations for, you know, he's been to the pen for a little bit. Now he's back starting tonight with Montgomery to the DL, Tyler Chatwood. have no idea, Mike. <laughs> you know, uh, you, their guess is as good as yours and mine. And so the answer else. to this question is yes, then, right? No, I, you know, again, uh, they've tried to get him comfortable in the bullpen. You know, he's been in non-pressure situations, keeping his arm active. It's good that he did because now with Montgomery going yep. on the DL, uh, they, they need him out there. Uh, you know, I was uh, texting up and back with my friend, uh, Jeff Vukovic, great advertiser, good friend, wonderful baseball guy yesterday. And he said, uh, he thinks he'll, he'll throw five good innings tonight. Okay. And, you know, uh, I said, well, that would be great. You know, he said, do you want to bet? I said, you know, I, I don't bet on sports. Mm-hmm. You're a smart man. Yeah. Don't bet on sports. Let's get out to the phones. Uh, Don is out in Burr Ridge. He's up first here on inside the clubhouse. Hey, Don. Hey, guys, love the show. Listen to it almost every week when I can. Appreciate it. And if you're not going to listen, we want you to call in and let us know why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You guys were talking a little bit earlier about uh, projections on on homers before the season. Uh, Me and a couple of buddies from high school, uh, one of them bet the Sox and the Cubs homers for the year, and and they were going over the homers that they thought guys on the Cubs were going to hit. Um, and I agree with you. There's probably six or maybe even seven guys that we thought would hit 20 homers. So the, the, the deeper question is, is it partially Chili Davis's fault? Is he changing anything on a swing? I don't know if he is or if he's not. I know part of it goes into Bryant's not out there, so there's protection, kind of like the, the bets and the J.D. Martinez protection thing. So, And then the second thing is, um, same with the starting pitching. What? Jim Hickey came along, and all of a sudden the starting pitching is, it has struggled. Um, so 
couple questions on that. And the third thing you guys are talking about injuries in this net. I have zero issue with the Cubs keeping their guys on the injured reserve to make sure that they're completely healthy for the playoffs because the likelihood of the Cubs making the playoffs without some of these guys like Moreau and, and Bryant and this and that um, is very, very likely, and it's more important for the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, you have to make it there, but how things are going, it's looking pretty sweet to make it there. You know, you bring up some, some really good points, and thanks for your call. Mike, uh, the last part – now that you have a 10-day DL, mm-hmm. it's been manipulated to perfection by people like Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer. Uh, Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers last year handled it beautifully with pitching, all kinds of moves where if a guy uh, had a you know just a stiff neck, they would go on the DL because they had someone else uh, fresh to come off the DL and pitch. So when, if you can manipulate it and keep your guys fresh and also keep other people uh, coming in and and being competitive, I, I think it's great. That's what the 10-day DL allows you to do. His other questions were about? He was uh, about the, the home run power and yeah. the Cubs' lack of home runs. Well, Chili Davis represents a difference in mentality as far as what Epstein, Hoyer, and Joe wanted, okay? Mm-hmm. Epstein, Joe, and Hoyer, after being embarrassed last year in the playoffs uh, because of the swing and miss factor, Wanted a more contact approach. Wanted a more uh, a different approach with two strikes. Wanted guys to choke up. Wanted people to have a kind of a, a view of that at bat, that particular point of the game, and being able to have that at bat that's best functional at that part of the game. Uh, Davis had a meeting with the group in uh, June. Talked about the fact that uh, people are trying to do too much. Trust the next guy. Take your walks. Take your singles. Uh, let's have a good approach and trust your teammates. That, that seemed to resonate because most all year long, despite the fact that they're not leading in home runs, and I think they're about 10th in home runs, um, they've been right there near the top in runs, mm-hmm. in RBIs, and in on-base percentage all year long. So uh, th- those are those are good things. It's a, it's a different look offense for the Cubs. But in some ways, uh, just as productive, not waiting for the three-run homer. And a texter points out that the team ERA this year so far is better than the team ERA was last year. Now your rotation might be inconsistent, but yeah. and you mentioned rotation's it before, been high. your bullpen has been outstanding. Right. The rotation since the All-Star break has been close to six. Uh, but now that's, not the, that's, not, that's starting to come down in the last three starts, especially the last two where you had shutouts for six innings, shutouts for seven a shutout for seven from uh, both Lester and Hamill. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. To Palatine we go. Paul is up next. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I'd like to get uh, the guy's opinion on uh, the chances for you know the Cubs to win. Let's say if Darvish doesn't get back to form, and the chances of winning the World Series with three lefties, I don't think it's been done since '56. So. I'd like to get their opinion on, uh, you know, if they go into postseason play with three lefties on the starting rotation, you know, what if they think their chances are making it all the way. Thanks, and have a good day. You too, Paul. Thanks. It's interesting. He brings up 56. I, I'm, it was the Yankees that year, and it was led by Whitey Ford. Um, have to look up the other two. Might be Tommy Byrne and um, trying to think of the third lefty. But nonetheless, I, as Joe says, I don't care what side of the uh, – uh, you know the, the 
field you're throwing from, if you're getting people out, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, exactly. And and I, I will I will tell you this. I, I am in no way uncomfortable with lefty left the, the whole lefty righty thing. I don't even care whether it's Quintana yeah. or Hamels or Lester or whatever. And in the last ten years we've heard so much about the reverse splits. Yep. What are reverse splits? Lefties that get righties out more than they get lefties out or are dominant against them <clears throat> excuse me, because of the uh, type of pitches they throw, whether it's a changeup, whether it's a changeup that has a little bit of tilt going the other way, making it look like a screwball. Those are the things uh, that you kind of look at when it comes to uh, lefty versus righty and all that. So here's the uh, 56 Yankees uh, rotation. This according to Baseball Reference. Whitey Ford, Johnny Cucko. Johnny Cux. Cux, excuse me. That's an S, not an O. Bad vision here. Don Larson, who we know, I know is a right-handed pitcher. Tom Sturdivant, Bob Turley. Both are right-handers. Tommy Byrne is listed as a reliever. He's a lefty. Uh, but he pitched significantly in postseason. Bob Grimm, not to be confused Mickey with. Mickey McDermott was a left-hander. Not to be confused with White Sox, Bob Grimm. No, no, that, is, that was his uncle. Get out of here. See that? You get out of here. I have learned something today. How about that? That's right. Um, three, <laughs> 312-644-6767 if you'd like to jump on the show. Michael Kopech, hopefully... Later this hour, right now, to Willowbrook we go, and Owen. Good morning, Owen. Hi, guys. Great show. Um, Thank you. Hey, just a comment, and it may be uh, a question. Um, on Renteria, you guys were asking what we thought. I think he's doing a good job with what he's got. I think he's I think he's shown improvement with Anderson, which surprises me over the over the year. I, you know, he's gotten better defensively. I'm not sold on our second baseman. Um, I think uh, Renteria has done a good job the way he's disciplined guys for not hustling. Uh, I, I like that he does call them out. Um, and then the other thing I want to ask you guys. Are you not is, sold on him as a second baseman or as a player? Um, as a player right now, I think he should be down in the minors learning how to hit. Um, I, and, and then, and then um, the other question I did want to ask you is I think the story of the year is the team that's only a game behind the world champs. Bob Melvin, what is he doing? To get this team going, I look at that roster. I'm like, this guy is doing an incredible job. And it's a, it's who a, who are those? It's guys, a, right? it's a wonderful team that nobody knows about. The Oakland A's now one game, as he points out, behind the uh, indestructible Houston Astros, who are looking very. I mean, they're still Houston's a very good team, but they've been missing their shortstop, their second baseman, yep, their L2 center out, fielder. Yep. Uh, for Springer's been out for a long yep. period of time now. Uh, you know they uh, are still a, a tremendous team, but they're they're in the for the fight of their life to win their division. Yeah, Oakland is only a game back. They won in walk off fashion last night, and I got a good chuckle out of something I saw on Twitter during the break. Somebody had posted uh, a response to Dallas Keuchel earlier this uh, spring training when he said uh, that the Astros were far superior to the Cubs. You know, the previous World Champion. And when asked why, he said because we have better players. So in other words, no hangover this year because we have better players. Well, they they don't they don't really have a hangover. I mean, they've been playing outstanding baseball all year long. They've been in first place sure all year, and they have a, a six hundred winning percentage. Uh, that's that's going to win you, Mike. That's that's ninety six to uh, ninety eight wins for you on a season. That's not not too bad. So, it's just that Oakland has been playing out of their mind. For the last two months, they've been playing 750 ball. It's just a very uh, – baseball is such a, a, a random game with injuries, with bounces, with the way things happen. Um, and to 
to to come out with say we have better players than the than the Cubs of sixteen or whatever. I I just found it amusing. And by the way, to that fifty six Yankees thing that this is why I love baseball reference. You get you get well, the you can old, just ask me. You don't have to ask. The, you don't have to look at baseball. All right. Reference. Well, and you probably remember this. And I know this was his MV, one of his MVP years. Mickey Mantle uh, at at age twenty four yeah. playing center field. You got you got a stat line for me. You got most of that. Yeah. Uh, three uh, fifty three was a batting average. Correct. He hit fifty two homers. He yep. drove in one hundred and thirty runs. See that baseballreference.com or Bruce's memory, right. one or the other. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the great years in baseball history, That's... and he was also the MVP in 57. So, uh, you know, again, uh, those were some fantastic teams mm-hmm. back in the day. But uh, if we keep talking about baseball history, Mitch will come in here with a hook and uh, take us out. And I have, to rem- I have to mention, though, their first baseman, Moose Scourin. Who had uh, who yeah. hit three oh eight that year? Our our old buddy, our, our old friend, one of the great baseball people and great people that uh, we've been fortunate to know. Uh, Moose and his great family, Cookie, and and all of his family, great people. Let's get out to Logan Square. Steve is up next. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm really enjoying your show. Um, and I was going to say a, a comment about the coaches, but the managers. But uh, real quick, this thing about Houston not having a World Series hangover and not being the Cubs. Uh, you know what? Houston also didn't go 100 years without winning a World Series like the Cubs did. They're not the Cubs. They're not, They're not. you know, no, not, there was so much buildup around the Cubs not winning for 100 years that all that pressure was released when they won. Of course, any team that would have would have gone through that would have had a hangover from all that pressure, all that stress. No other team can compare to that. That's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point. And no matter that Houston had never won a World Series, Mike, uh, what he brings up is right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just so much ancillary noise, you know, going on as far as, you know, uh, can you, you know, should we bring the GOAT back? Uh, Yeah, all that stuff. And And, real quick. uh, And then the 10th inning. Joel Madden has done an unbelievable job with the injuries he's had. And the Cubs have, you know, they basically stayed in first place since the All-Star break. So they're they're doing good. He's doing good. The guys on injured reserve, that's fine. As long as everybody comes back out for the playoffs, I think the uh, I think he found his You're cutting out on us. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, we get the gist of it. Um, Joe, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like Lester told me, handling the bullpen's about 80% of it for a manager and uh, he has handled it beautifully, but go back and give Epstein and Hoyer a tremendous amount of credit uh, for adding the guy that I believe is the most valuable player on the Cubs. And the guy that's almost an everyday player, Steve Mm Ciszek. I mean, he's now, he's now pitched in 59 games, roughly half the team's games on pace for 80 appearances. And he just goes out there and, Gets outs, Mike. He's given up two home runs all year. He's in the top four for uh, appearances in the National League. Um, this bullpen that they put together, uh, um, you know, has done a, a phenomenal job. Yes, it has. And, uh, you know, if you want to bum rap Hickey for the starting pitchers not being as good as they should be, you better praise them for making sure that the bullpen guys have been at top form. The Astros fans on the text line are mad at me, Bruce. We'll get to that when we come back. Hopefully we'll talk to Michael Kopech this hour as well. More of your calls, uh, and we'll hear uh, a little bit more from Theo 
about Chris Bryant and that shoulder when we come back here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And we jump right on out to the hotline where we have a special guest waiting. Indeed. Uh, Michael Kopech, are you at the airport ready to come to Chicago yet? <laughs> uh, you're half right. I'm ready to come to Chicago, but I'm not there. <laughs> the, you know, this is, uh, you know, I don't know if you're aware of all the uh, great chatter going on with White Sox fans. And by the way, Michael Kopech, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse, joining us from Charlotte. Michael, um, I don't know if you're aware of, you know, all the chatter going on, but, you know, everybody's clamoring for you and Eloy here and, uh, Rick Hahn and uh, Kenny Williams just, uh, you know, they have something in mind. They're not afraid to go ahead with the the rest of the player development. But what's your perception of what's going on right now, considering all that you're able to accomplish? Um, You know, to be honest, my perception isn't all that important in the long run. I I know it's kind of, you know, broad or whatever but the gist of it is they have a plan um we're going to do everything we can here to kind of force their hand but the, at the end of the day they have an idea of what they want and uh we do everything we can and you know that it's out of our control and we get our chance so um you know it, it, it's just they do their job and we do ours really um i know we're all excited to get there but it's a matter of time before it all kind of comes together. Is it difficult for you to ignore the the outside noise and the you know the people who are clamoring for you know as you said you know the first first thing we ask you about is when you you know major league uh, stuff. Is it difficult to ignore the fact that that's kind of there and just kind of pitch your game in Charlotte? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to ignore. I mean, I I clearly want to be. In Chicago, I mean, you know, I'd, after every start, you know, I'd, I want to be called into the office and talk to and, you know, have that conversation. But, you know, it's it's part of it. Everybody waits on the call. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, it just, you know, you can't get too far ahead of yourself. So I'm uh, – I'm just trying to take it start by start right now. And if it happens, it happens. But if not, then I know I I did everything in my control. Michael Kopech, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. We're with you every Saturday between 9 and 11, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball. Michael, uh, what has been the difference for you you, uh, turning the corner here? I remember standing uh, at Ho-Ho Camp Park after you pitched against the A's during spring training. And it was one of your, uh, you know, not your best outing, but afterwards you talked about how you learned, uh, you know, the being, you know, the off-speed pitches being so valuable to you and being able to command them and watching that very good Oakland A's contact team, you know, taking, you know, some of your really good pitches apart because of the fact that they, they understand how to hit. And now, and you talking about what you had to do, is that, being, has that been accomplished with your latest success uh, over the last three, four, five, six starts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've kind of been able to take that into my game. Um, since then, I've added a break, another breaking ball to my repertoire. I 
not throw a curveball as well. Uh, but yeah, my my last, you know, five, six, whatever, I've been able to command all my pitches really well, and especially my breaking pitches. I've been able to throw them in counts where I wasn't probably comfortable throwing them earlier in the year, and um, it's really paid off for me. Well, and for our listeners, it's it's the last seven starts. I happen to have it here in front of me. A one eight four ERA, fifty nine strikeouts, and only four walks over four, 44 innings. Uh, that's pretty darn good. I think uh, I think the White Sox will take that uh, here on the South Side eventually. <laughs> uh, well, I hope I can bring that to the South Side. Um, I mean, it, this is probably one of the better runs I've ever gone on, just as far as commanding my pitches uh you know i i feel comfortable now and i'm kind of at a spot where i trust my stuff so much that i'm not afraid to throw everything in the zone you know it's kind of like here hit it you know challenge them so i i feel really good about that and it's just i feel like i'm at a good point so michael kopek joining us for a few more minutes on inside the clubhouse uh, Michael, um, when you look at uh, the Giolitos and the Lopez's up here having a couple bad starts and an outstanding start and up and down, trials and tribulations, I know you follow them because, uh, you know, there's that closeness that you guys already developed in spring training and part of the team for the last couple of years. Uh, how do you internalize that? I, I mean, uh, how much do you look at it and how much do you understand the player development continues on at the major league level. Oh no, you know, we all definitely pay attention to it. And, you know, we know that clearly everybody wants to get up there and, and dominate like they did and triple A or double A or whatever the case may be. But there's going to be bumps in the road and, you know, there's going to be learning curves. And, you know, I, I think this year is, it's kind of one of those years, even though I overall for G, uh, Gio and Lopez in particular, I, I feel like they've handled it very well, uh, considering, you know, the, you know, the record and everything this year, but it, it's been, I, I don't know, for me personally, it's been exciting to watch because I know those two guys go out there and bust it every day and want to do the best they can. And when, you know, you see him maybe go through a bad one or two in a row and then bounce back and go into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. It's, you know, it's impressive because you, you know that they're able to handle themselves at that level and not really hold on to the adversity, which, you know, is what you want to see for your future teammates. Michael Kopech, our guest, a few more minutes with him here on Inside the Clubhouse on the Score. And Michael, I'm curious if if staying with the same team all year in Charlotte has had, uh, I don't know, a calming effect or what, because there's no bouncing around. You didn't go from, you know, double A to triple A or single A to double A or whatever. You, you've been on the same team all year. There's been that consistency. Now, obviously, you want to be uh, up in the majors, but you haven't had to move. You haven't had to uproot everything. Uh, has that helped? Has that helped, uh, you know, c- consistency-wise for you? Yeah, I think so. Um one of the factors is just being under the same pitching coach all year. Um, me and McCaddy have worked really well together all year. And, I mean, 
we're very similar personalities, so sometimes we butt heads. But I, I we, like that. I like hearing that. <laughs> we do uh, we do work well together, and he has helped me quite a bit. So the fact that I've been under him all year has been, you know, it's been helping with my consistency for sure. Uh, you know, but a Triple A team is, you know, like a different team every week. It seems like you know we're not even close to the same roster we started with at the beginning of the year, but the consistency of having the same coaching staff and, you know, a consistent catcher maybe, yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying for sure. Give us an Eagle Eye update. Uh, what's it like playing with him every day? Uh, what type of energy he brings into that clubhouse, type of guy he is? I, I You know, I, I, I got to, you know, talk to him a lot during spring training and, Seems like a, a really energetic, fun-loving guy. But just from the perspective of a pitcher watching other pitchers compete against him, what do you think that dynamics like for for those pitchers in the international league? Um, you know, you you can pretty much guarantee that every pitcher is going to be worried about him when he comes into the box. Uh, you know, he he is human, so I think he struck out the other day. But hey, imagine <laughs> that. <laughs> but even when he strikes out or gets out, it's never an easy at bat. Uh, you know, you can tell that he has an approach no matter what. He's very, he has a very calm demeanor in the box. Uh, and again, he's just easy going all the time. So he doesn't put, you know, a whole heap of pressure on himself, which would probably be pretty easy to do if you're. Eloy Jimenez, you know, um, but he handles everything very well and is just very calm. And as far as baseball savvy, well beyond his years. So he, he's very exciting to watch. So uh, I know people at United Airlines, the sponsor of the White Sox. And if, if I got two tickets for you and Eloy, do you think you could just go into Grud's office and say, hey, you know, um, We've taken it upon ourselves to to go to Chicago today, and we just want to say goodbye. You think that would fly? I mean, we can try it. But <laughs> Bruce will pick you up at the airport. I'm I'm paying I'm paying for the flight. Okay, <laughs> it's it's no problem. But you know, seriously, uh, Sox fans, everybody can't wait for you guys to uh, show up. Michael, uh, continued uh, great success. We hope we see you here soon. If not, uh, you're going to be a, a dominant pitcher for the White Sox in a long time. Starting next spring uh continued uh, success and thanks for joining us on inside the clubhouse yeah thanks man all right take all right. care michael kopeck uh both interesting on and off the field the same thing with uh eloy uh two big personalities to go along with two big talents for the white Sox coming down the pipe i loved the uh you asked him if he was ready to come to chicago and he said yeah, I'm ready to come to Chicago, but I'm not at the airport yet. So, that, well, he's got to kind of wait for that. Maybe, he, well, maybe you could get he, him to the he airport. He was open to the free tickets for him and Eli. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if, you know, Han and Williams are uh, excited about that, but at least I got a plug in for their airline. There you go. Uh, bottom of the hour brought to you by the Wildcats. The Northwestern football Wildcats have the best home schedule in the nation this fall, hosting Michigan, Notre Dame, and more at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at NU Sports. You know, uh, we talked a little bit with Doug Glanville earlier, Mike, about uh, how unattributed sources impact the Cubs and every other major league team. I got a chance to talk to uh, Carlos Rodon 
about those particular things and how uh, an incident that he had last year with uh, with uh, Don Cooper turned into a positive thing that really the reporters didn't really know much about. We'll we'll do that after we take a little break here and uh, and we come back three one two. Six four four six seven six seven is our number. Text us at six seven eleven. And the bottom of the hour brought to you by Lakeside Bank. Why do banks make banking so incredibly complicated? At Lakeside Bank, they make banking incredibly easy. No hoops to jump through. Their bankers have the experience and the authority to get things done fast. Whatever you need, join them. Lakeside Bank. It's about time. The Carlos Rodon stuff that Bruce mentioned when we come back on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. Back on Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, 670, the score. 312-644-6767 for your call, 670-11 via text. Nice discussion there with soon-to-be, maybe, White Sox pitcher Michael Kopech. Well, our friend David Schuster does such a great job reporting on the score on all the different sports. We'll be thrilled to know that he's a great talker. Yeah, yes, And is. Uh, so is Eloy who is uh, fluent in both languages these days, and uh, that they'll, they'll be able to uh, communicate their feelings along the way. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it, it, there's so many great Latin American players, and a lot of them have not accomplished, um, you know, being totally comfortable in the English language. Um, so sometimes the communication is difficult through translator. You know, uh, we have... You know, two really good ones with the White Sox and Cubs who uh, help out. But, uh, you know, for a purpose of radio and TV, you know, you prefer somebody that speaks English. And, I, I, uh, I know Eloy I would not. has done a great job of doing that. I know I would not be uh, comfortable being interviewed in Spanish, even if I had uh, picked up some of the language. And what about Italian? <laughs> not that either, unfortunately. But that would be uh, that would be nice. I could talk with my hands, at least. Right. I've got that going for me. Uh, but Carlos Rodon, you had a nice chat with him yesterday uh, in the White Sox clubhouse. Yeah, going back to our subject matter, Mike, uh, we talked about unattributed sources, Joe being irritated two weeks in a row, uh, once with uh, A-Rod talking about uh, whispers in the clubhouse that uh, that you Darvish should be doing his rehab somewhere else and that uh, you know they're questioning when he's going to be back. Uh, very insidious stuff. Joe addressed it and then... Joe having to uh, address the uh, story by uh, Patrick Mooney that uh, it became fiery and it became uh, just a little bit, uh, you know, in your face between him and A-Rod during that meeting last Sunday. So uh, I got to talk to Carlos Rodan a little bit about a similar situation he had where players, uh, where reporters had to interpret a... Uh, discussion that he had a year ago May with Don Cooper in the outfield. He was in the middle of rehab, came back to Chicago, and it got animated out there. And we talked a little bit about interpretation of what was going on between him and Cooper and how those things can get escalated without total knowledge. At the time, both of us were frustrated with, you know, where I was. I don't want to be hurt. Like, you don't want to be hurt. You know, he wants me, be, he wanted me here. And, you know, us being passionate, it's just, that's kind of our relationship. And him and I have a very close, Coop and I are very close. And then he talked about his relationship with the media and uh, he directed it even at me because of the fact that, uh, you know, although uh, clubhouses uh, trust reporters in general, they have to be guarded. Once you get burned once, you don't want to get burned again. Now, luckily, I haven't been in that situation. Um, 
And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm always guarded. You know, speaking to people I trust, speaking to guys like you, I, I'm always a little guarded. Sure. Uh, granted, I, yeah. And as you should, as anyone should be. I mean, you're trying to do a job and I'm trying to do my job. And I think there's a fine line of, you know, like we can be friends, but, right. you know, outside of the this realm where, I mean, maybe I'll buy you a beer sometime. Right. I'm sure I would. Maybe he will, and I'm going to hold him to that <laughs> now that that's public. And he went on a little further to talk about the fact that, um, you know, the clubhouse is a you know a place for individuals to trust each other, and nothing should break that bond. Some things that you say aren't aren't going to be the nicest things, right. and you know if they're heard, you know by the fans or the media, I mean they're going to. I mean, you know, everyone in this clubhouse is real. What's said in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse, and I'm sure you've heard it before. Um, and that's just. That's just always been a rule. I think that's been a rule forever in this game. That's just to protect each and every one of us. Um, you know, I'd never want to talk bad about any of my teammates, and I would never, never would because they're my teammates, they're my brothers. So the difference is, is that there are differences that go on in a clubhouse, just like Mike in any workplace. Uh, you have differences with people. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you talk it out and you move on, and you're still friends and coworkers, and you're working together for the greater good. Uh, but that uh, because it's sports, you know, everything is kind of magnified. Uh-oh, somebody's not getting along with someone else. Someone has questions. So the, the end result, Mike, is that uh, people can second-guess each other inside a clubhouse and get in each other's face. But when it comes to getting outside and all of a sudden unattributed sources, that's where the, the line is drawn for these guys, and that's where it becomes a little, uh, a, a little dicey when uh, things get out and then – there's no direct arb- uh, attribution. Now, uh, to A-Rod's credit, he didn't back down from what he said. Uh, Patrick Mooney from The Athletic didn't write a retraction from what he said about it getting uh, a little fiery between Joe and A-Rod. So um, I give credit to all those people for standing their line. But uh, in the middle is that uh, uh, uneasiness between media people in a clubhouse, and the conduit back to the fan base. When you and Carlos hit the clubs downtown one night, you got to invite me, all right? Is, is, can we arrange that? If he buys me a, a <laughs> Diet Coke, I'll let you know. All right. All right. Out to the phones we go. Uh, Rolling Meadows, John on the score. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You know, I like to I like to talk to you guys about things that a lot of Cub fans overlook and sometimes isn't really discussed much, and that's the durability of some of the guys in your bullpen, like Montgomery, who can start and has been starting and can also come out of the pen and come into, like, the sixth inning and give you three strong innings. Um, You got C-Shack from the right side coming out of the pen. I think Montgomery should be your team MVP because – he was able to step in as a starter and work effectively. And, yeah, I know, you know, Joe likes, loves him out of the bullpen. I mean, yeah, the guy's been your savior out of the bullpen when your starters don't go five. Right. But when he comes back, Joe's going to put him into the bullpen for the playoffs, right? I, I, mean, would, I would think him so, out there. yeah. I mean, that would be the natural progression because, as you said, and, and you, you bring out some really good points, he was so essential, Mike, uh, mm-hmm. to stepping in when Darvish stepped down. Darvish only threw eight starts, and Mike Montgomery stepped in, started giving six innings, 
five plus, um, three runs or less in every start. Just did a phenomenal job. Now he built up to an innings count where all of a sudden he's on the DL. So we don't know when he's going to be back, how long it's going to be. He doesn't think very long. But like the caller said, uh, he's an essential bridge guy that can come in and if the starter has a problem, go three innings and do it a couple times a week. That's invaluable. And uh, I, I believe that's the role he goes back to. Yeah, I mean, you have Cole Hamels now. You hopefully, hopefully, will have you Darvish within a few weeks. And who knows, you know, Tyler Chatwood may stink again tonight and and still be a what-do-we-do-with-him character, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe all of a sudden Tyler Chatwood figures well, it out. I, the one thing about Chatwood is he's he's not that easy to hit, okay? He might not know where the ball's going all the time, <laughs> but there's there's good movement, and as Joe says, really great stuff. Command is another issue, and right. if he can command a little bit, if you know, if he threw five innings today, gave up, a, you know, three runs or less, and also uh, had good command, you know, I, I think they they would take that. I think they would. Uh, we we've, we've been talking about the uh, Chris Bryant and uh, Theo stuff from earlier. We should get to that before we get out of here. Uh, Theo on with uh, McNeil and Parkins earlier this week. And, you know, the old Chris Bryant shoulder injury certainly has lingered. I know longer than, than a lot of people expected. Uh, Theo talking about uh, where everything is at with Chris Bryant. Joe's going to manage it and protect him. But I think one of the goals of this rehab and why it's uh, been pretty methodical has been trying to get to a point where Chris has uh, no pain with full range of motion. And he's able to take his swing um, and, and not feel it and feel comfortable. And, and that kind of finish that uh, that works for him and that's pain-free. So I think that's been where we are to this point. He's, he's been progressing with dry swings and T-swings and flips and, and, and hasn't felt anything. So that's what we're looking for. And Theo admits that there is a problem somewhere in the shoulder. Doesn't know if surgery is an option or not right now. Uh, that's not determined yet. I think I think there's a good chance that he does not need it. Um but um, I don't, you know, it, it, it sort of depends how, how things go when he comes back. I don't, nothing's been ruled out or ruled in yet, except we're feeling good about how, how the rehab is going. And for the first time, we find out it is directly in the shoulder labrum area. I mean, he's got, he's got some wear and tear in there that, uh, that a lot of players have. And it's pretty, you know, it's, uh, um, he definitely felt it uh, on the basis of that time in Cincinnati and probably exacerbated it. With, with some swings when he came back the second time. But, um, you know, there's probably not a player out there with a, you know, a completely pristine um, labrum and cuff. You have to look, you know, you have to look to, to Little League before guys start getting after it if you want to find a completely clean shoulder. Theo talks about that. Well, I guess we don't have time for that. We're run out of time as Steve Rosenblum awaits to join you, Mike. Uh, we have people to thank today. Doug Glanville. From NBC Sports Chicago joined us. Michael Kopeck, a future star, hopefully, for the Chicago White Sox, joining us from Charlotte. Uh, Zach Withers does a sensational job for us every week. You as well, Mike. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also on our website uh, uh, at 670thescore.com, writing Cubs and Sox every day. Mike I'm off to see you, not you, not but me. you, Darvish, tomorrow. And I'll be reporting uh, Monday morning with uh, Molly and Haw. So, everyone, uh, thank you, Bruce, by the way, for the kind words. Everyone, line up your cars. Follow Bruce uh, down 80, uh, heading east uh, to South Bend. And 
Watch the U Darvish Rehab start tomorrow. Thanks to all of our listeners and texters. We appreciate you. And stick around because this radio station is about to get infinitely worse when Steve Rosenblum joins us in the studio on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.